0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Up until now, the countries we've covered have seen some degree of limelight in the news. Over these three episodes, though, that's going to change as we plunge into the heart of South America. This is about one of only two landlocked countries in the continent and is bordered by Brazil, Argentina and Bolivia. The country recently declared a state of emergency in May when torrential rainfall and resultant floods displace around 40,000 citizens from their homes. It's a country that has seen general outrage at the acquittal of priest Silvestre Olmedo on allegations of sexual harassment and one that has been home to an active Marxist rebel insurgency. In fact, it's rather upsetting the only news I saw that mentioned this country in the recent months was that Ronaldinho was imprisoned in the country for carrying a fake passport. This is the first of three episodes on the country of Paraguay. In this episode, we'll survey the pre-colonial and colonial history of Paraguay and stop in the early 20th century before the Chaco War. For context, Paraguay is bordered by Bolivia in the northwest, Argentina in the south, and Brazil in the north and the east. We begin around 500 CE, when there are signs of the presence of Guarani tribes. Guarani peoples are indigenous to South America, and make use of the Guarani language, but very little is known about early Guarani society. The people were mostly concentrated in eastern parts of Paraguay, and also had settlements in regions of modern-day Brazil, Argentina and Bolivia. The Guarani language was not a written language in earlier societies, and hence there exists no written record of Guarani myths and beliefs, meaning that there is no centralization of the Guarani belief system. Over time though, Most Guarani beliefs were displaced, replaced, or altered into Christianity due to the work of Jesuit missionaries in the 16th century. Early Guarani tribes are believed to have been nomadic and eventually formed agrarian settlements. The Guarani peoples did not live in isolation though. They coexisted in early South America along with related cultures including Tupi and Gran Chaco tribes which formed the dominant populations in the areas surrounding Paraguay. There are some signs of conflict between different cultures, indicating some hostility among neighbouring peoples, and some tribes had intricate warrior traditions. Other practices that we found some archaeological indications of include some counts of cannibalism and polygamy. It is rather unfortunate that most of the early history of the Guarani and neighbouring cultures remains shrouded in ambiguity, though. So let's start talking about the documented history of Paraguay, and we begin with the written documentation of the Spanish colonization of the area in the 16th century. It began in 1516 with the failed expedition of Juan Diaz de Solis to Rio de la Plata Estere, which saw him being killed by indigenous tribes. On the home voyage, one of the vessels was wrecked at an island near Brazil. Here, a Portuguese survivor named Aliexo Garcia acquired a working knowledge of the Guarani and amassed men and supplies to finally begin an expedition westward into mainland South America in 1524. They arrived at the site of Asuncion, the present-day capital of Paraguay, where they recruited a small army of Guarani warriors. Together, Garcia and his amassed army crossed the semi-arid western region in Paraguay called the Chaco to penetrate the Incan Empire at the foothills of the Andes in Bolivia. Word of Garcia's discoveries travelled to Spain and attracted Sebastian Cabot to Paraguay, where he freely traded with Guarani tribes. He was followed by Don Pedro Mendoza, who was named by Emperor Charles V the governor of Rio de la Plata, which is pretty absurd considering that there were people living there. But Mendoza was hated not for his appropriated title, but because he decided to settle on the land of the aggressive Kurandi tribe, who declared war on the Europeans soon after the settlement. The outpost on Rio de la Plata was ill-stocked and the European settlers lost lives due to the provocation of the Cuarandi, as well as for a lack of food. The outpost though was named Buenos Aires and is the present-day capital of Argentina. Mendoza's crewmates, Juan de Ayolas and Domingo Martinez de Irala, sailed further inland to reach the small bay of Rio de Paraguay. The name Paraguay comes from one of the Gran Chaco tribes named Payagua. Irala was then joined by two Spanish explorers and built a fort in the area they named Asuncion. Charles V issued a colonial decree which allowed Irala to be declared the governor of Paraguay and surrounding areas and established a Spanish colony. In 1542, the province of Paraguay became part of the viceroyalty of Peru, which had its seat up in Lima. Irala's rule set the tone for how Paraguay would be governed till its independence. Some cultures that inhabited the land included the Guarani and Tupi, who were hospitable and welcomed trade with the incoming European colonizers. The Chaco tribes, though, including the Payaguá, Abipon, and Guacuru, hated foreign imposition on their lands. Due to the hostility of the Chaco tribes, the Guarani looked to the colonizers for protection and were much more amenable to colonial rule. Irala managed to maintain some peace in the colony with hostilities flaring with the temporary appointment of Cabeza de Vaca as governor, before the title was returned to Irala. While Irala did keep good relations with the Guarani, open trade with Peru, and did not antagonize Chaco tribes, he did towards the end of life instate a slavery decree that granted colonial ownership of land and people living on that land to the colonizers. This sparked the first revolution against colonial rule in 1560 by the indigenous cultures. In 1617, the province of Rio de la Plata was partitioned between Paraguay, which had its capital in Asuncion, and Rio de la Plata, with its capital in Buenos Aires. For the 150 years that followed, Jesuit missionaries effectively controlled the social and economic state of the colony. The church ended the system of slavery, angering the settlers, and used a system of proselytization. The Jesuits organized the Guarani into 20 Reducions. Unfortunately, these divisions were located close to São Paulo, which was home to Portuguese and Dutch colonies. Despite Spain and Portugal being unified in the early 17th century, their South American colonies harbored some hostility towards one another. That being said, the Jesuits weren't particularly liked in Asuncion either, and hence the governor of Rio de la Plata, offered little to no protections to the Jesuit populations. Populations from Sao Paulo consequently raided several reducions, taking several thousand captive and killing scores more. The raids ended in 1639 when Peruvian tribes took up arms to help the Jesuits mount a resistance to the Polista raids. Having dealt with the threats from Brazil, the Jesuit mission in Paraguay began to flourish. They increased the proselytized population to over 100,000 neophytes, while also improving irrigation structures, manufacturing capacities, and cattle breeding. This allowed Jesuit missions to accrue large amounts of wealth and prosperity within the Reducions. In the early 1700s, though, Paraguayan settlers began to rebel against Jesuit privileges, beginning a string of uprisings against the Spanish administration in Paraguay. This led to a tiff between the Spanish administration and the Jesuits and Charles III, in 1767, expelled the Jesuits in order to seize their wealth to fund the Spanish Empire. Consequently, the missions were abandoned by the Guarani and all their wealth was forfeited to Spanish administration. Paraguay was, at best, a buffer state for the Spanish Empire as it was located on the periphery of the Empire at junctions with Portuguese and Dutch settlers. Its distance also meant that the Empire did not realize ground realities in Paraguay while making economic decisions for them, frequently setting unreasonable market prices for goods that became inaccessible on ground. Paraguayans best served two purposes for the Spanish colonizers. The first was that they contributed to militias that were shipped abroad to fight Spanish wars. The second Was that they were available for free labour as the empire was using most of its wealth to build infrastructure and capital in Europe. This led to dire poverty and the continual impoverishment of Paraguay through the 18th century. In the early 19th century, a weakened Spain after the French revolution saw its empire lose legitimacy. The residents of Buenos Aires revolted and freed the province of Spanish rule. The probability that Paraguayan rule would be transferred to Buenos Aires terrified the Paraguayan populations, as Buenos Aires had always been the poorer, less prosperous neighbour of Asuncion. An attempt to take over Asuncion by force saw the Paraguayan forces conclusively win on their neighbours. Acknowledging that Spanish dominance in South America was bound to imminently end, Paraguayan officers ignited an uprising and overthrew what little was left of Spanish authority. They then declared the independence of Paraguay on 14th of May, 1811. After independence, Paraguay was taken control of by the dictator José Gaspar Rodríguez de Francia, who ruled from 1814 till his death in 1840. Francia was popular among the impoverished citizenry, and under Francia, Paraguay underwent a social upheaval to destroy the incumbent elite classes. Highly educated, Francia was a lawyer who studied theology and was a keen supporter of the French Revolution. After the coup d'etat against the Spanish administration, he joined the ruling junta and was one of only a handful of people in Paraguay with adequate administrative, economic and diplomatic skills. His reign saw a reduction in the power of the Catholic Church and he had an ideology similar to that of Noel Babouf as he wanted to abolish private property to ultimately found a republic of equals. The state, incidentally, became the largest owner of land in Paraguay. Subsequently, land was leased out to the poor, and the finding of the elite meant that taxes for the common person were lowered. Francia implemented a system of internal espionage and quashed free speech, arrested and charged people without trials, and implemented inhumane punishment for those that were imprisoned. He was a rigid nationalist and discouraged foreign marriage, espousing a pure-blood policy. In 1816, he was named dictator for life and under his rule, Paraguayan commerce declined as the export industries of tobacco and yerba root that were established by the Jesuits and the Spaniards were weakened. Administratively, Francia managed to stabilize the state and build the state treasury through some trade with neighbors. While he had a non-interventionist foreign policy, he did seek an alliance with Brazil, as they both recognised Argentina as a regional threat. After Francia's death, confusion overtook the state of Paraguay as he had left no successor, and as a lone administrator, he hadn't even primed too many to take over the state. After some fighting to take control in the power vacuum among several juntas, Carlos Antonio Lopez took over in 1841, And he held the role of president until his death in 1860. Similar to Francia, Lopez was also a well educated lawyer and as the second dictator of Paraguay he maintained a governance system similar to Francia. Unlike Francia though, he was a massive despot and a master fortune from the profits of the state monopoly. Despite his greed, Paraguay flourished as infrastructure including a highway and telegraph system were built, and he commissioned South America's first railroad in 1858. The population of Paraguay nearly doubled in size, education progressed, and he opened the country to foreign trade. Simultaneously, Lopez began to tackle the problem of colonial slavery, ending slave trade in 1842. He preserved Francia's caution against the then Argentinian dictator Rosas and declared a war in Argentina that ended with Rosas' death in 1852. López was succeeded by his son Francisco Solano López, who adopted a more aggressive foreign policy than the previous two dictators. Still averse to foreign trade, López refused to take foreign loans and made the Paraguayan economy self-sufficient. His aggressive foreign policy plunged the country into war in 1864. When Brazil invaded Uruguay to mould their internal affairs, Lopez correctly assessed this as an existential threat to the independence of Paraguay and other smaller nations. In seeing Paraguay as the moderating influence between the powers of Brazil and Argentina, Lopez committed to aiding Uruguay in the war to preserve their independence. As the self-commissioned third force in the region, he launched offenses against Brazil. Argentina meanwhile acquiesced to Brazil's Uruguayan foreign policy and distanced themselves from Paraguay, which led to Lopez also initiating an offensive against Argentina. Brazil, Argentina, and the Brazilian puppet state of Uruguay subsequently entered a treaty of triple alliance that sought to destroy Solano Lopez's government. Lopez's army, while large, was incredibly ill-equipped for the scale of war that was to follow. In 1869, five years after the war started, the alliance troops entered Asuncion and the war ended a year later. 1870 was a low point for Paraguay, as it lost nearly half its population to the war. It had ceded large territories to Brazil and Argentina and was now destitute, with very little to no infrastructure in place. They also had unpaid foreign indemnities and experienced several famines in the post-war period. The remaining, mostly rural populations were trying their level best to subsist through this destitution. While the allied countries took nominal control of Paraguay, their economic losses forced them to forfeit economic control of the country to foreign speculators while the internal political vacuum was plugged by a group of anti-Lopez Paraguayan exiles called the Paraguayan Legion who resided in Buenos Aires and had allied with Brazil and Argentina in the Paraguayan War. They declared Paraguayan independence in 1869 and promulgated a constitution in 1870 that called for the instatement of democracy. At the same time, surviving loyalists to the Lopez regime formed the National Republican Association Colorado Party, and this formation of parties has served as the foundation of the modern-day political landscape in Paraguay. In the aftermath of the war, liberals and Colorados fought for political power with Argentina and Brazil hovering in the background, and politics was more opportunist than idealist. While the liberal legionaries did push for a free election, they did not have the functional knowledge to instate democratic administration owing to Paraguay's dictatorial past. The pro argentinian militia chief Benigo Ferreira became the first de facto leader until Brazil aided his ousting in 1874. The Colorado candidate Candido Barriero was elected president in 1878 and on his death in 1880 power was seized by his second-in-command General Bernardino Caballero. The Colorado government dismantled the socialist structure of state that Francia had built and were desperate to pay off their European debts. Due to the loss of infrastructure and the lack of any robust financial institutions, Paraguay had no money and sought to raise funds through the state's land holdings, which comprised nearly 95% of Paraguay's total land. Of this, They sold nearly 50% of this land to foreigners in large plots, and the governing party began amassing wealth for itself and buying out private property. This policy was incredibly unpopular, and Caballero rigged the 1886 elections to retain power, leading to a liberal revolt in 89 and an overthrow of Caballero's selected president in 1893. While some liberals were willing to collaborate with the Colorados due to a lack of ideological difference, Radical liberals refused to, and in 1904 overthrew the Colorado state. Note here that both the Liberal Party and the Colorado Party had incredibly similar ideologies on how to govern Paraguay, but were being opportunist in how they sought to displace the other and seize power. Paraguay then quickly descended into political turmoil and factional feuding thereafter, as between 1904 and 1922, they had 15 precedents. Both major parties were highly factionalized political oligarchies, and social and economic conditions deteriorated between this period. Meanwhile, Bolivia, who had been fighting with Paraguay for decades over the Chaco region, built a series of forts on the Paraguayan Chaco with German military and financial assistance. The Bolivians saw the deserted region as a possible economic resource as it had access to a port and potentially housed oil reserves. Liberal inaction on Bolivian encroachment eventually derailed the Liberals, paving way to a rising nationalist agitation by the National Independence League. The government subsequently decided to quash the actions of the League through military actions, shooting at a couple of student League members, which increased the public resentment for the incumbent Liberal government. So in 1930, you had an incredibly unstable political climate a rising party that advocated for social change, little to no political infrastructure, and an increasingly aggressive Bolivia that threatened war. We'll pick up from here in the next episode, and I hope to see you soon. This has been the first episode of Matterphile on Paraguay. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh?